I'm doing like <laughs> I should, yeah, I should open I should open open it like that. Hello. Welcome to Movie Takes. Right now it's eleven oh four PM Central Time Zone. I'm Daniel McFadden and with me is my good podcasting friend for life. The James is kind of a little disturbed right now. James Crow, yeah. It's it, it's really late now and I think that's the perfect time to to talk about this 1948 Italian film called Bicycle Thieves. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this movie, Crow? All right, so this is the a 1948 film. It's a um, considered kind of the the top tier of Italian neorealism. Um, so, in which is typically working class themes, you know that sort of thing. Um, it's the only one I've ever seen. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to take your word for it because it's the only one I've seen. No, yeah. It was originally released, the Italian name translated directly to Bicycle Thieves, plural. It was released in the U.S. as The Bicycle Thief um, because the U.S. has to do everything differently. And then it was later re-released as the proper Italian title, um, back in whenever the Criterion Collection picked it up. Um, uh, interesting story before we get into the review. Um, I watched this on Netflix, um, <laughs> and apparently I, I, apparently I was the last person to watch it on Netflix before it got ever. taken down. Yes, here's, here's, here's your trophy. You well, just actually, put it up there. well, considering it's part of the uh, Criterion Collection, which is supposed to be like a Hulu exclusive thing, I may have been the last person to ever watch it on Netflix. When you watched it, was there not like a thing that says this film will expire on such and such date or whatever? If there was, I wasn't paying attention to it. It I, I watched <laughs> it at like like ten thirty at night in bed on my iPad. I wasn't paying attention to that. But Daniel, <laughs> you know, he Daniel goes to watch it and he doesn't have an actual like start the movie button. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 like the movie wasn't showing up in my my list, which was weird because it was there like for you just like a few day few days earlier, and so it, it, I thought something was I was trying to watch it on my TV, and so I thought something might be wrong with the Netflix program on my TV. Then I checked my PS3, same thing. Then looked on my desktop, laptop, or whatever, still didn't work. So I had to resort to Hulu, which has the Criterion Collection version of the film. Therefore, it was dubbed instead of subtitled. And so you watched the subtitled version, and I watched the dubbed version, which I probably would prefer. Yeah. Now, I watched a little bit of the Hulu version um, whenever you, know, you told me that it wouldn't play on Netflix. And it looked mm -hmm. like the version that was on um, Hulu did have a better like film-to-digital conversion. Um, it'll, it'd be it'd be the it'd be the Criterion version in Criterion. They do like remaster films. Yeah, the the one on Netflix definitely it had a lot of like just it it looked like it was transferred from like a print that would have been sent to a theater somewhere for sure. Mm -hmm. it, it had tons of you know tons of you know looked used. It looked used and and abused. It was mm -hmm. very it, it was. Definitely, it had like it, you know, 
if you still went to move, if you went to movies back when there was still film projection, Daniel, I'm honestly not sure because you're you're a lot you're a little bit. Hey, no, no, I, no. The the digital era came about while I've been alive. Yes. So, but did you ever go to like the last week of a movie that's been running for oh, a while? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. The, in in Springdale, back where I'm from in Arkansas, there was an old Malco Theater, and yeah, the, it became around 2000. Seven or eight, it became a second-run theater, and you know, in the last few years, I would go there. Yeah, and the print would look wore out. Yeah. So the, the worst, crinkly, crinkly. The worst film print, like like the worst I've ever seen of that was my wife um, got free tickets to go see um, Three Hundred, um, and it had been at, like it had been out in in the theater, and this was the old. Malco theater. The one that, yeah, the one that got torn down. In yeah, 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 in Jonesboro. And it had been out for like months and months. Like it may, I, I honestly think it had been out for six months and it just had been that big of a hit that it had still been playing. And this was the last week that the movie was playing. Wait, what year was that? When did that come out? Uh, 2007 ish. Well, that, that, that might have been in the. Like in the in the last few years, like release windows for movies and theaters have been cut back dramatically, and but so if it might have been out six months, but that might have just been the natural window then. Well, so. part of it too was because there were two Malco theaters in Jonesboro. The what they were the way that yeah. they would do is they would they were using that theater almost like a second run top theater too like they would have showings of big hit movies at both theaters at the time and then they would just let them linger at the old theater Mm -hmm. so I think that was part of it but still we all see this movie it's been out for ever and it was terrible (laughs) like (laughs) like like there were like parts of the film where like half half of the entire like frame was just have just Destroy this. The film was destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, at any moment, you're just expecting it to snap and just, you know, burn up or something. But that would be bad. But that was bad. that was the worst ever experience. But this one it was not that bad at all. But it, it was still. There was a movie from 1948. <laughs> I've heard a movie from 1948 from Italy, you know. But anyway, so getting to the movie. Well, yeah. One note, uh, like we chose this movie because it's part of uh, Roger Ebert's first uh, collection of the great movies essays, and in the essay, Ebert wrote that in 1952, which was four years after the movie's release, uh, as part of part of the British film magazine Sight and Sounds' uh, first international poll of filmmakers and critics, it was voted the greatest film of all time in 1952. So and that was more more than more than a decade after Citizen Kane came out, I believe. Which yes. is which is now like the the go to. Oh, that's the greatest movie of all time. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that that that's kind of the the to give you context of what what this movie was at the time. So yeah, I the the one thing that I'm definitely. I don't have a lot of context as far as the cinema. Like I got, I know you know that part of it um, 
from like the you're looking at the Wikipedia article on it and stuff like that. I I want I kind of want to know more about the context where this came through. I, I know it's you know post war Italy, which um, you know so that which gets short into the stick <laughs> in the end of the war. Yeah, so being as it sided with the Nazis. Yes. Yeah, and it, it it's it, I don't know it. Italy was almost in a, in a little bit of ways the, uh, like the, he's like the bully sidekick, I guess, in history. The bully sidekick. <laughs> I guess, you know, yeah. You know, the, you know, Germany kind of gets their redemption story later on, and Italy is just sort of, you know, those people that have something to do with trains to most people. Trains? <laughs> you what? know, the, the, the trains running on time thing. I think this, there's like a, the saying is like Mussolini always made the trains run down. Oh, 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 okay. But you know what I mean. That, you know, as far as you know, you're talking about history. You know, like, I, I kind of want to know more about the what in you know what the direct inspirations for the filmmaker was for this because it, you know the world definitely felt very real. You know. Oh no. Yeah, this is this wasn't filmed on a back lot. This yeah. was filmed in get thinking it's Rome, right? Yeah, it was yeah. filmed in Rome. So you're seeing the real conditions in which people lived in at that time. Yeah, and, and even just like watching the movie, I, I I definitely felt in the movie more so than I am in a lot like a lot of stuff. Like I felt like I was kind of living in this world, following these people around, you know, more than just watching a movie. Yeah, it it, it pulled me in a lot. Um, and, and maybe want to learn more about kind of what the the subtleties of what was going on and things that you know a say Italian film viewer at the time would have picked up on that I'm probably missing watching this mm. in, in 2015 in Northeast Arkansas in Northeast Arkansas. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. It, when I, during like the opening moments of the film, I, I, I felt like. Um, it's like this, it was a movie that easily could have been released or made in like 1937 or 1938 and been set in like Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, that's the thing. It's like it, that's the other thing is that you know you have this like poverty in this this whole setting, but it it and the poverty is in a lot of ways. Just, you know, I know like a direct result of the war and you know mm-hmm. that was a lot of Europe at the time not just the losing part of it but it you know you're right in that it's it's definitely a war about I mean, a movie about you know class and poverty and um, basically just kind of surviving well, people people that are just trying to survive so I don't think it became there's only one instance where the movie commented on class, and that was when uh, the main character, uh, uh, bleh, uh, Antonio, um, and his son are at that Italian cafe or whatever, and his son looks over his shoulder at a family behind him, and it looks like a more than well-off family eating spaghetti so th- and other stuff that they could, couldn't afford. Well, it- when I say class, what I'm talking about is you're dealing with a very specific group of people who are in mm-hmm. a very specific set of circumstances. Um, they're they're not necessarily the the 
the type of people that you're, you know, it, as an outsider, you're going to be seeing and think about. And then historically, it's people that are typically not, you're not going to hear about in these time periods. You know, you, you, you know, if you've ever like heard about like the, the great people version of history, as far as like, you mm-hmm. know, History is written about the people that stand out. And, and these are none of these people that would have been in this film are people that, you know, you're we're ever going to know anything about. Um, and, and when I say so that's one thing I want to talk about just class is that it's these, you know, you're dealing with a very specific set of people in, you know, in this film, which is a, from what I understand, very important part of that, um, the, the was it neo realism or whatever yeah the, the genre is yeah italian neo realism hold, hold on uh, ebert wrote like what the definition of neo realism is and you like neo realism it's one of those film buzzwords <laughs> that i see get thrown around in um essays and stuff a lot without any context given to that word um where to go? Uh, come on. Okay. Oh, here it is. Okay. Neorealism, writes Roger Ebert, as a term means many things, but it often refers to films of working class life set in a culture of poverty and with the implicit message that in a better society, wealth would be more evenly dis- distributed. That's what, according to Roger Ebert. Yeah, so it's basically just saying, you know, and that's kind of what we get with class you're talking about, you know, anyway. <laughs> okay. Like that—that that, that is a whole tangent that we need to. That would probably be better. Yeah. But anyway. Mm. So, um, what what did you think of the just storytelling style? You know, it's this. The it, it it's very simple. Yeah, kind of story, but it, it still has this weight of you know coming from the you know kind of issues that surrounding with the poverty and everything. Yeah, it, it, it the the storytelling it reflects the mindset of the protagonist because the the main character um, Antonio just wants a job. He just <laughs> wants to help support his family, and it's just a. Uh, the weight and yeah, like you said, the weight of it becomes heavier and heavier over the course of the film, and that where uh, this character does things he wouldn't under normal circumstances. Normal circumstances, he slaps his son, who's um, he just kind of ignores his son at some points. All, all he's set on is trying to find a bike that was stolen while he was doing a job. That he, the only way he could do it was with that bicycle, which his wife pawned off all their sheets to get out of the repair shop or something like that. But it wasn't um, just, and it wasn't just the, you know, sheets. It was their, basically it was part of the, I guess, 
it was basically a like wedding present, which is like you know really expensive and kind I didn't of, catch that. Yeah. Um, so it, it was. It wasn't just that it was sheets. It was something that was very important to them. To you know, it was part of a you know, a basically a wedding gift. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, they're they're. It's important that they um, that he gets this job and he gets paid so they can unpawn that stuff because mm-hmm. they're going to want it back. And and. When they, when they take the sheets to, to the whatever place they go to, you can tell that a lot of other people have done with their, their own sheets to do what they're doing. Yeah, when the, 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 the pawn brokers, basically, they take the sheets, they put them in a bag, and then they go put them on a shelf with what you kind of assume is a bunch of other sheets, um, you know, other laundry, and it's on this rack, and they stick it on a rack, the top of a rack like 50 feet up, and it's just all bags. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is a really good way of kind of showing that like these people's desperation is you know shared, and you know, it really builds out that you know the world of the movie. And it, but yeah, all all these events just build up. No, like no one believing him when he says a certain person stole his bike. No one helping him to to chase someone down. Uh, Getting, having to deal with an old man who doesn't want to cooperate, cooperate and leading, taking them to the person they think stole their bike. One thing that that that, that kind of bugged me was that this is a black and white film, and so you have to trust the protagonist that he's seeing his own bike, because you, it's, I believe it's supposed to be a red bike, but you have no way of knowing in a sea of bikes which one's his. his. Yeah. You have to you have to trust uh, Antonio that he's looking at his bike. Yeah, and and even then, like you know, I I don't know about you, I didn't stop and go back and look at the point where um, the bike was stolen a bit to see whether or not it was the same person he was accusing. I, I actually didn't either. So really, so yeah, you're you're definitely have to trust this guy. And I honestly, I I ne- didn't necessarily trust him. You know, I was you. Know, I think that the movie does a really good job of showing his kind of mental condition, you know, deteriorate Mm -hmm. further and further into into desperation. And even like, you know, he has, you know, as you mentioned, you know, he slaps his son, but then like, you know, after that he goes and they have what basically for them, you know, there is a splurge meal, you know, I I, I thought, I thought he was having a manic episode. Yeah, well, that's and that's, that's how I interpreted that. He's spending money he doesn't have. Yeah, and the thing is, that's a very common thing with people that are in really, really, like, you know, that are really poor, that are in very, very that kind of situation where they basically just kind of get to this like point where they just want to say, screw it. I just want to be like, feel like a normal person for a little bit, and they'll go spend money they don't necessarily have buying something they can't afford. Just because, you know, constantly being in a situation where you're looking and see, you know, you're seeking something and not being able to get it, that frustration just builds up and builds up and builds up, and it really can weigh on you and just do a lot to you mentally. Did did you did you take note that it seemed like the only up until the very end, uh, the only people who seemed to have any sympathy with their situation were cops. 
Yeah, that that was definitely a um something that stood out. The the I love the and, you know, going back to saying like, you know, I didn't necessarily trust him and he was definitely at a point where he was very you know, starting to come unhinged whenever he they got to the scene with the the house with the um um where he kind of confronted that one guy. But the mm-hmm. cop there handled that situation so wonderfully. Like, I couldn't do that. Like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah. There, there's a, there's a mob out there of angry Italians. I'm not, I'm not touching that. Yeah. Like I, I honestly, the person doing it, like the actor in that role captured exactly what I would expect a good, you and know, that, the ideal cop. cop. Yeah. The yeah. ideal cop. And I, I can't even imagine that. It's just something that you kind of, you know, when you see it. Well, <laughs> the stuff we have to deal with, day in the news with cops doing things they're not supposed to yeah it, it was kind of a took you know it takes you back from from it's not an image of a cop you're usually exposed to you usually you're usually expo- you get ideal cops but for the most part you get dirty cops or cops with nothing to lose cops um, don't play by the rules yeah <laughs> Not cops that calmly handle a situation in order to disperse an angry crowd. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, and that just goes back to the that whole feeling of the the very real world that you kind of that I got from this movie. That is that mm-hmm. you know, it, like nothing took me out of it the entire time I was watching it. As far as I didn't, you know, nothing stood out as being, you know off it just felt like a very solid well-developed you know world that just kind of allowed me to kind of exist there for the hour and a half of the movie and you know at the end of the movie it all all the pressure just finally makes him make a very bad decision and he steals some someone else's bike and to you know the cycle of his situation continues and the the only person (laughs) Outside of a cop in the entire movie to take pity on him is the guy he stole the bike from. Yeah, yeah. It, it well, you know, this what I I personally want to believe that you know, you know, this guy is someone who, you know, is understanding the the situation. You know, he you know he's or maybe he's someone who has been in that point in his life, so he he's willing to let him walk away. I mean, all the other people in the mob that tackle him and track, you know, and pull him off the bike are ready to just hang him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the, the guy who actually had his bike stolen is the one that is willing well, to. Well, he, he, he saw that, you know, his son was there with him and he realized that the, the worst thing I can do to you is to let you go. So you have to, to live with your own son and uh, the memory that he saw his own dad commit a crime. Yeah. So. Well, speaking of the son, I, that, he was kind of one of the highlights of the film. Yeah, he had, did, did you feel like you'd seen him somewhere? Because I, I felt like I'd seen him somewhere. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. He just was. I don't know. He, he had the perfect amount of like quirky kid, um, to where he he was entertaining and he 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 brought a lot to the film without being you know distracting. I, don't know. I think I, I think I seen a kid actor in like maybe an eighties movie that looked just like him.
Yeah, he um he has looked he's he's only been in three films and <laughs> he he was in Bicycle Thieves, he was in something called The Return of Doc Camillo and uh a movie called The Barefoot Contessa. If I'd see me of those, but yeah. I think there's like an eighties or nineties movie with some kid actor that looked exactly like him. Yeah, so 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 I guess, you know, he he was in a movie with Humphrey Humphrey Bogart, so he Oh, okay. He had, <laughs> he, he had a career. Is he is he still alive? Uh, he was born in 1938. No, well, I don't know. It this doesn't say anything about him dying, but it's also Wikipedia. So, <laughs> and he was in three films, so it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Bruno and Enzio Staiola. Yeah, no. Guess he'd still be alive. Maybe. I guess maybe he's he's been in more. Uh, IMDb has a lot more stuff for him. Oh, he's, he's got fifteen credits. He, he hasn't he, been he in did, anything since nineteen seventy-seven. Yeah. So, but yeah, like he. I don't know. I, I really enjoy he. As far as kid actors go, he did really, very well. He was oh yeah, <laughs> he was believable as a kid. Um, but yeah, like. Oddly, oddly, the like he almost felt like the most responsible person in the film. So maybe, maybe at times, it, like I think one thing I almost forgot was like in all, all all the stuff of him trying to find his job and the weight of that. For like two minutes, he thinks his son just drowned in, yeah, in, in, yeah. in the river, which would have been hell. That that would have been so like yeah that that would have been the exclamation point on a downer of a film is if that had actually been true but it wasn't so yeah so um as far as like this sort of film goes like, like have you is this have you seen you know have you watched any kind of things that you know have the same kind of feel to it like as far as you know either the same kind of you know, like simple narrative with kind of weighty um, issues surrounding it well, or I wouldn't call it simple, but I just uh, last week I watched a movie that came out last year called uh, A Most Violent Year. Have you heard of it? No. It's got um, Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain uh, as they played a married couple. It takes place in 1981, New York City. In 1981, is one of the historically one of the most violent um, years of violence ever recorded. In New York City, and Oscar Isaac plays this owner of, um, of a small, like I believe it's just like a small gas company, like not like gas station company, but they actually like importing the gas and distributing it and stuff like that. And um, the, the the main point of the movie is like he's trying to get the money in order to purchase a, a fuel holding station that's like right on uh like the hudson not the hudson bay but right next to the water which would make his job a lot easier but over the course of the movie an unknown party keeps stealing his trucks and um which is causing him you know a financial hardship or whatever and this company's also under investigation from uh the new york city uh da's office and uh, through, 
the, the course of the film, this keep, his trucks keep getting stolen. Uh, bad things keep happening to his, his drivers and stuff like that to uh, lead to where he has to get desperate in order to uh, to get the money for his to purchase a place. And m- much like uh, the bicycle thieves, where all the, the tension and the pressure keep building onto the protagonist's shoulders to do something bad. Where in Bicycle Thieves, Antonio does that in uh, in the most violent year, Oscar Isaac's character. It comes to the point where he 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 reaches that that tipping point, and he and he does some stuff that would be regrettable, but he he comes back from doing something that would have completely ruined him and his company. So. Yeah. I, I guess like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking and I, like, I'm, it's, I'm not sure if I've seen something like that has, fits this sort of profile. Like, I'm, you know, I'm sure there are other things, but it, 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 as far as like movies, especially ones that are dealing with kind of weighty topics and that sort of thing, like, they're almost always like you know almost overly complex or uh, everything I can kind of think of. You know, so <coughs> I don't know. I, I it, it was something that I to me is almost kind of it, in a lot of ways in, incomparable to most stuff that I've seen. I, don't, I, I really really enjoyed it. Um, I, I would definitely be open to watching more you know s- films with a you know, similar structure. Yeah. Uh... I need I need a category on Netflix that says just neorealism because otherwise I have no idea what if it, if it's neorealism or not. So um, I mean I would yeah I mean I'd I'd watch them again, but it, it, I'd watch some more neorealism films, but not like on a regular basis because that that'd get kind of depressing after a while. Um, but no, I mean it, it was a really good movie. It had a simple. Simple theme, simple message, simple structure that just created an effective through line to kept your interest and made you care for the characters in the predicament. So, no, I mean, it, it, it was really good, a well-made movie, um, and it, it, it's it's a it's a timeless story. Um, it doesn't have to take place in 1948 Italy. I mean, you could like like I said at the beginning, like it, in your head, it could take place in 1938 Brooklyn. So, or where some other post-war country. So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think I, you know, this is something that, like, you know, I definitely would recommend to people to check out. It's, it's something that I think that I, I don't think anyone would, you know, not be able to take something away from it. You know, some people are going to mm-hmm. be turned off by the fact that it's either going to be dubbed or subtitled. Um, you know, some people are going to be turned off because it's black and white, but as far as just the actual, the, the narrative and the contents, I think that it's something that, mm. you know, most people would be happy having as part of their, their lives. We, we, we didn't talk about the, the old woman who was giving people their oh, fortunes. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh. I mean, I, I, I know people can get desperate, but... Not desperate enough to like pay an old woman money to give them very vague. Yeah, I, I honestly like I almost 
kind of like intentionally forgot about it just because I, you know, having watched the film, it almost like made me mad. Like, like just, you know, having this character that's just taking money from these people that have none to mm. just give them, you know, just absolute, you know, crap. You know, mm-hmm. And I, I almost said like that's the that was the one plot element that didn't add anything to the movie, but it's like no, it didn't because in Townie at the beginning says dismisses it as nonsense when his wife goes there, but by the second or third act of the movie, he's going there himself out of desperation to get an answer to where his bike is. So it 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 does work, I guess. Yeah, it, and just you know referencing the you know like how kind of timeless a lot of these themes are in this movie, you know, this past, you know, few weeks, you know, yeah, you you told me last week that this movie was getting referenced a lot. Yeah. Well, well, this is so I was talking about, but you know, in the last few weeks, um, like I think two or three weeks ago on John Oliver's show, he did a segment about televangelists Mm -hmm. and how basically they're, you know, they're, scamming people out of money and using the fact that they're religious organizations as a tax, tax shelter. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's very, you know, that, that is a large scale version of what this woman's doing to these people. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so it, it's, it's interesting, you know, obviously these are, these are, these issues, these are things that have always been around. You yeah. Know, you know, I was in new Orleans, a, you know, a month ago and there were people, fortune tellers set up everywhere. You know, and of course they're hitting tourists, but you know, these, you know, I, most of these people aren't going to ha- hesitate to, you know, tell some poor person that they're going to be rich if they keep giving them money, you know? So it, it's, I don't know, it's interesting to see, you know, the, you know, 1950s kind of version of that in a way. And like I said, it, 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 the movie definitely still holds up you know, more better than most older movies that I've seen. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think yeah, it, the story definitely holds up. Um, it, w- it would be interesting to to have watched this with like an Italian audience, like when it came out, and what the reactions to it would have been. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. I honestly don't know, don't know, like how I would if I was part of that world, like the real version of that world. I'm not sure how I would feel about seeing that movie. I, I, I do remember seeing something about <laughs> yeah. how it did get criticism when it first came out for negatively depicting um, Italians. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember who, who that came from. It, I think it may have, it was either like Italy or pro Italy groups, or it may have been like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Italian American association or something like that, you know, but I do remember that, so I guess it you know, it was seen negative, negatively as some people, you know, when it came out. But I think I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it, I and mean, I don't really. Um, Every movie takes on a different context once you, as a society, you leave that era in which it was produced. Like um, movies, that, like just any movie that was controversial in two thousand is no longer controversial. Yeah, yeah. For the most part. So, yeah. Controversial movies from 2000 are just dumb movies now. (laughs) Uh, Or, or or they, yeah, or it's like, 
movies that were important and won won an Oscar are forgotten. I mean, Citizen Kane lost out Best Picture to, um, I believe, a movie called How Green Is My Bell. What was that called? Citizen Kane lost. I don't know. And of course, the the you know, if you're we're talking about you know movies dealing with social how issues. green how, how green was my valley, it lost out to a movie called How Green Was My Valley. Yeah. Well, if we're, you know if you're talking about if we're talking about movies that you know deal with social issues, there's the um, the never-ending joke of um, uh, that everyone always has about the movie Crash, the anything but subtle movie. Yeah, I've never seen Crash, so I, like I wouldn't. I've, yeah, I've heard stuff stuff about it, but I'm, yeah, I've never seen it, so I, I can't really get those jokes. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, I it's I, don't know, I enjoyed it. So, would yeah. you recommend? Um, yeah, um, but it's just, yeah, it's one of those movies. Like, I don't know what mood you need to be in to watch it. Um, if you know what it's about. <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it's a nice. Nice piece of cinema history, yeah. So I'd, I'd recommend seeing it. So far, I think the only outright movie I wouldn't recommend to anyone that we've done was Chinatown. <laughs> so, right? Chinatown? Yeah, I think, I think that's the only one. Uh, cool. All right, so... Guess, so yeah. uh, <laughs> Th- thanks for uh, joining us on this episode of Late Night Movie Takes with Daniel McFadden and James Crow. Uh, you can you can reach us at movietakespodcast at gmail.com you can follow me Daniel McFadden at Daniel McFadden on Twitter all lowercase one word M-C-F-A-D-I-N take us out alright um, I guess that that's going to wrap us up um, I'm at Kroski on Twitter no one has messaged me still that's not surprising um, so I still don't use Twitter, but follow us at, on Twitter at Movie Takes Pod. Yes, please. Yes, maybe. Please. <laughs> follow us, message us. We also have Facebook and all that other wonderful stuff. But do do something involving the internet and us. All right, um, we'll be back um, before too long with another episode about another movie, and then we also have some other stuff that we've been talking about doing that should be also cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Yay plans. Yay.